Listen, let me tell you, I think this is what we should do. I think moving forward, we should bully Tony Khan into believing that his shows suck. We, sh we should do this week after week. Because listen, look, if we're coming off of, a, a, of an AEW pay-per-view that was critically panned overall uh, and uh, that, you know, that, that had a build that was near universally considered to be bad, if we're coming off of all of that and Tony Khan reacts like this, giving us a great dynamite and then stacking up an awesome rampage, I say we do this every week. Cause then we win, the fans win. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'll tell you one thing, no one bounces back like AEW bounces back. I'll tell you what, I'm Warren Hayes. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. Um, we are recording this on uh, June 1st. Happy Pride Month to, uh, to all of the LGBTQIA plus listeners, watchers of the Mr. Warren Hayes members of the community. Love you all to death. But right now, another thing that I love on a different level, completely different level, was last night's Dynamite. That's the one we're going to be reviewing. That's the one we're going to be talking about. The Dynamite that took place on uh, May 31st. The aftermath of Double or Nothing. Eventful show. Good matches. I'll tell you one thing. It felt like Dynamite. It, it felt like I was watching an episode of Dynamite. This was your grandpappy's Dynamite. This, it was, it was back to form. And I'm, so I got excited and I'm excited to talk about it. It feels good to just be like, yeah, let's go. And that's what we're gonna do. Of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'd appreciate a like and a subscription. A like on the video and a subscription to the channel, that would be tremendous. Uh, tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. And if you're listening to this on your favorite audio application, there's ways to show some love there as well. Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, five-star ratings on Spotify, like, subscription, like anything you can do, all that stuff helps out. And I would be very much inclined if you, if you did so. And I'd love it. But uh, before we get into the show itself, you know, we're, let's just get this out of the way. It's the, it's the big thing. It's the one thing that, it's the big thing that wasn't really that big because everyone saw it coming. It was cut, like you'd have to be just like com in complete blinders to have assumed that the opposite was going to happen here. CM Punk has been announced for the June 17 uh, opening AEW Collision Show at the United Center in Chicago. Uh, Tony Khan, that was the big announcement Tony Khan had last night. Um, and on, that's exactly what I would have done. Hell, I would have done it last week. That's a whole other nine yards. But the fact that Tony is doing it like what, we're two weeks ahead, two weeks ahead of time before the, the, the debut of the show, I think it is the smartest thing to do. And why do you, why do you ask? Business. Sell them tickets, pal. Have people get excited to sit home on a Saturday night to watch this show, to watch the opening, right? But mostly the tickets. Sell, I know the United Center was already on the way of being sold out. Like, you know, the vast majority of the tickets were distributed. But in regards to, uh, in regards to what was left, I think this might be the nudge it needed. But even, even more importantly than that, uh, 
I think that for the shows that are following, the, 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 the following collision shows in the weeks after, we'll need this shot in the arm to sort of get sales boosted again, sort of get things exciting again because there's still a lot of them that are struggling. There's still a lot of these shows, you know, the, I am convinced that the ticket sales are not, uh, are, are not what they expected at this point for Collision. You know, I talked about this on the podcast. I'm not going to reiterate all these points, but um, the, um, I, I can't blame anyone for being you know, a, a, a little cold at the idea of buying tickets to Collision when you don't know what it is. Is it just going to be a, 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 a rampage sequel? Like, what is this going to be? Now... Putting out the fact that CM Punk is going to be there and he's probably going to show up on the 17 and he's probably, you know, if the, if the roster split rumors do come to fruition, he will probably show up on uh, on the Saturday at Collision and, and tell everyone, look, this is my show. You want to see me, and maybe not in those words exactly, but if you want to watch me wrestle, you want to hear me cut promos, this is where it's going to happen. So... I, I would feel that that would have that will have an impact moving forward. You know, I, I know a lot of people talk about how Saturdays are not a great show for TV, which you know, not a great night, I should say, excuse me, for television, which is not entirely wrong, um, especially when you know sports kick back in. However, I do feel like uh, like uh, 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 Saturday nights for going to see live events are much better than a Wednesday or a Monday, you know? Those are good, that's a good night, I think, for people to be like, hey, it's Saturday, let's go see, let's go watch wrestling. You know, we can go out, have a drink after, we don't have to rush home because we have to work at 8 a.m. the next day, whatever. I think it, I, I, you know, so all of this has to be reflective. Uh, moving forward in the ticket sales for the, the the collision shows that have already been announced and that have been underperforming. So we'll see what happens. Now, I'm not relitigating. We're not, this is not a CM Punk podcast. We're not getting into this. Uh, everything, I to this point, everything that has had to come out and we had to talk about has already been litigated and I've talked about it tremendously on the Mr. Warren Hay Show podcast, uh, the flagship itself. So, we're you know right now I'm good I don't have anything to add on that end but the the statement has been made official I'm glad Tony did it fuck surprises at this point sell tickets this is what he needs to do and I think it's last thought before we move on to the show I think it's indicative at the same time of how different uh, this situation is as it was back uh, in, in 2021, when the announcement was coming up, so on and so forth, and the, the United Center was sold out on a rumor, essentially. They were hinting at it, you know, of course, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But uh, AEW is in a completely different place than it was, you know, two years ago or even 18 months ago, where it could have just gone out without announcing a thing for the United Center for Chicago. And, but... Or, or even, but seeing how the other tickets are performing, they're not in this position anymore to just announce a show and then thousands of people rush to buy tickets. Sure, it's happened with Wembley. Sure, it's happened with Forbidden Door. But it didn't happen with Double or Nothing. And it's not necessarily happening with other Dynamites as well. The attendance for last night's Dynamite wasn't great. was good, but wasn't, you know, a fantastic sellout either. You know, there were very visible empty seats, uh, hard cam. Uh, that we could see via the hard cam. So, 
you know, it's it, it's a mixture of a lot of things. It's really a mixture of a lot of things um, that uh, that that absolutely brought Tony Khan to making this decision. And I think it is the best decision to make. Fuck surprises. We didn't need the surprise. Everyone knew this would have been one of the worst kept secrets in town, kind of thing. Like, and we just need to get it out of the way. Interesting response from the crowd last night in San Diego when they announced it and. We got some CM Punk chants, but we did get some audible boos as well. I'm still very... Everyone seems to think that CM Punk needs to come back as a heel. Uh, I am excited to see what kind of direction they're going to give him. But let's move on with the show. As I said, May 31st, 2023, San Diego, California. The Viejas Arena. Started off with the Blackpool Combat Club, represented by Claudio Castagnoli, John Moxley, and Wheeler Yuta, with Brian Danielson on commentary, which I really enjoy. I really like Danielson on commentary. They defeated the trio of the Lucha Brothers and Bandito. What a fantastic match. And right off the get, I'm like, okay, this, this feels like dynamite. This was a dynamite match in you know both senses of the term. I am absolutely pulling a pun here. Um... It felt good, one of these hot matches to kick off the show with stars, with people you want to see. The people that made you start watching AEW in the first place, Lucha Bros, Mox, and the rest of this, the rest of this excellent supporting cast here. Just great stuff. Like, honestly, super dynamic, awesome, full of energy. Where was this at Double or Nothing? Look, I, 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 if you want to hear my Double or Nothing thoughts there i reviewed the whole thing in excruciating detail uh on the mr warren hay show this week so you can go check that out i mean I, i'm not going to spend the, the this podcast going over everything wrong with 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 double or nothing um but you know the energy was definitely a factor it was absolutely a factor and this match was fantastic the the 60 second um stalling suplex spot by bandito while the Lucha Brothers super kick and arm trap the BCC was just a, a, an awesome spot and a great visual. Stereo dives by the Lucha Brothers while Bandito hits a frog splash. Mox helps Yuta block a 21 plex. And Yuta, once again, gets the seat, be seat belt pin to get the win for his team. Now, I don't think this is accidental. I don't think this is like jokey jokes. I, 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 look, there's a fair chance if we follow Tony Khan's booking patterns, there's a fair chance that we're doing something here with Yuda. And it might just, be, and I'm not saying a massive program. I'm not saying suddenly he's going to be pushed into the world title scene. But what I am saying is that they are setting him up for something. And it might be just a, uh, you know, an, uh, an AEW Dynamite uh, 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 feud, a little program just contained into the show. It doesn't necessarily spill over into Forbidden Door or All Out or the Wembley show, just a little something, but they're, they're going to do something. Get, you know, the win over Kenny Omega, and they were putting this over hard on commentary. The win over Kenny Omega, now getting the win here over Bandito for his team, and they're celebrating with him again. I'm just saying. There's something, something feels like there's something in the works. Something feels like there's something in the works. <laughs> that, that's, 
That's some vocabulary for you right there. Anyway, uh, look, you wanted, you wanted to shake the double or nothing doldrums off? You were like, ah, oh, man, hope this show tonight is going to be good. Well, out the gate, you're at least given, you're at least given a glimpse. And it's like, look, where AEW is telling you, we got this. Don't worry. We'll make this, we'll make this better. We cut the backstage with Alex Marvez, who was with the Elite. We got Mag Jackson uh, there saying that he never thought that, uh, well, the, the Blackpool Combat Club bring the, the, the worst out of him, him and, uh, well, the Elite, essentially. And he never thought he'd try to melt the face off of a man with an explosive sneaker. And there you go, folks. It is once again one of these sentences that you will only utter when talking about professional wrestling. Nick also interferes there, and they said, you know, everything's still there; they're still okay. Uh, Hangman, pa Hangman Page is, you know, yeah, everything's good. The Dark Order pop in, and they're a little bitter. They're a little, uh, oh, okay, you want to go hang out with your new best friends now? It's like, okay, and Hangman's like, look, dudes, this, this isn't, this isn't it. So a little seed, a little something could entirely just be a, again, a, just a little secondary warm-up feud for something else. Just get this out of the way because that is a story beat that does need to be addressed and I think will be addressed because everything with the elite is always, always has a connection. So this will wrap up in one way or another. But I guess the news that comes out of this uh, little segment here is that Kenny Omega is not at the arena. Hell, he's not even in the country. We've speculated. When I say we, I mean them on the, on the, on the, on the spot. They speculated that Kenny Omega is going to be uh, is in Canada to lick his wounds, so to speak. Whereas Hangman Adam Page says he's not. He no, he's not in the United States, but he's also not in Canada. And he just leaves it at that. So, to me, first and foremost, like this tells me, oh, Kenny's going to be at Dominion this weekend. Which he should be because it is the finals of the uh, IWGP United States uh, uh, title number one contenders tournament between Will Ospreay and Lance Archer. Uh, I'm still heavily suspecting this match is going to happen at Forbidden Door 2. And, uh, and I'm excited for it. So it would make sense for Kenny to show up and, you know, get into old William's face. But in a storyline aspect as well for this story here, of course, everyone minds go to, oh, he's gone to Japan to get Kota Ibushi. Which absolutely works in this, uh, in this lore that we're developing here. And here's the thing. And I want y'all to keep this in mind. Because I know, like, everyone's like, Kota Ibushi at Forbidden Door, Kota Ibushi at Forbidden Door. Kota Ibushi doesn't work for New Japan anymore. And not only does he not work for New Japan anymore, their relationship did not finish on the best terms either. So, I don't know if it's just, like, people throwing stuff out there and not really thinking about it or just being uh, unaware of what happened. But... I would pump the brakes on it, and I'm not saying it's not possible because, 
Fuck, anything happens in pro wrestling, right? Anything can happen in professional wrestling. We just saw Hiromu Takahashi being announced for some Dragon Gate stuff. I'm like, what the hell are we doing here? But, Ghetto is the head booker of all of this. And he wasn't necessarily singled out in everything that Ibushi was complaining about. But you would have to assume that Ghetto, having his ties with The Office, as well as The Boys probably doesn't really care about having Kota Ibushi on a Forbidden Door show. And there's already a lot of politics. This is already... Crossover shows are always full with politics. Keep this in mind. So, again, I'm not saying Kota Ibushi is not going to be at Forbidden Door. What I'm saying is pump the brakes on your expectations because this is a cross-branded, cross-promoted show and one of the promotions maybe didn't finish off its relationship with Kota Ibushi in the, in the best possible way. That's all I'm saying. And maybe, you know, we're talking about Gedo maybe not wanting to do one. Maybe Kota Ibushi doesn't want to see these people anymore. Because he's got heat with guys, some of the guys in the locker room for the stunt he pulled. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he is going to end up on AEW at some point to do something but again, I, th there's a lot of things in place that don't make sense for him to be at Forbidden Door. How about that? Not saying he won't. I'm saying it doesn't make sense. It, it's, not, it, it, it's not something you can just naturally insert here. We head to the ring. Tony Schiavone's in there and he's ready to interview Bullet Club Gold. I'm like, excuse me? We are giving live mic time to Jay White. Pardon? Excuse me? This is happening? By God, man. Oh, and Jay White is there with rock hard Juice Robinson as well. Uh, Jay talks up double or nothing. <laughs> and, you know, people start applauding for it. He goes, he does the, he does the smarmy, oh yeah, audience, I'm on your side. And he claps along kind of thing and says, yeah, let's give it up for double or nothing. <laughs> that made me pop because that's a very Jay White thing to do. Um, uh, and uh, Juice addresses FTR. He says, uh, Bullet, Club, Bullet Club Gold wants to know why Dax and Cash save Ricky Starks. It doesn't make friends. They're not friends because Ricky Starks doesn't have friends. And that is, that's fair. Let's tie up this loose end. FTR come out. Juice says they need to apologize to them. Uh, Jay White says, look, it's maybe it's not a question of apologies. I think these guys want to join Bullet Club. And if you wanted to join Bullet Club Gold, I should say, all they had to do is ask. They just should do it politely. And again, a fantastic smarmy weasel thing, just weaseling out of Jay White's mouth is fantastic. Uh, and then White accidentally drops the mic when FTR reaches over to take it. Just, just we're getting vintage Jay White in this little segment here. Um, and uh, Harwood, and then hey, look, everyone gets, gets into a fight. Ricky Starks comes in for the save. He picks up a mic and he challenges Jay White to a match next week. Says, let's finish this. Let's get this out of the way. Good fire here from Ricky Starks as well. Successful segment. Stuff happening. Nice, tight, concise. Uh, nothing went overboard. Everything was to the point. It was very good. And you know what? This felt like Jay White 
this this whole his whole exchange here despite the fact that he can't go off on you know his his side rants anymore because everything is much more highly produced on on, on American television not highly produced but you know everyone has to hit their time marks because everything has to get condensed you know it's a he can go off maybe as much as he can but everything he did in this promo was just classic Jay White so I was like at least this felt good they still dropped the ball on Jay White don't get me wrong I, I this isn't uh, erasing history here but finally we're getting some mic time between these people Ricky Starks and and Jay White let's go Tony Khan did the announcement we already talked about it CM Punk at the uh, June 17 collision in Chicago and I love how Tony I love how Tony sort of milked this one he he milked it over a couple of weeks and even at the announcement himself he, itself he was milking and I was like all right he's a promoter you gotta love it and we had Swerve Strickland versus Big Bill and Trent uh Trent Barretta Trent uh I when Swerve beat them all it was a little three-way match that they had here I enjoyed it I thought it was fun Swerve came out with all of the embassy this time not just Nana and Brian Cage and that added so much like they came in you know and they each took a side of, of the ramp so there was two guys on one side two guys on the other and he came out in the middle and I was like okay this, see this is the kind of environment Swerve Strickland feels natural in and he's surrounded by big massive uh, 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 violent looking dudes and when you think of what they tried to do from the get-go with the mogul affiliates with the you know uh, with the uh, you know with the trailer park boys they they this is a, a complete different image right because the the gates of agony look like monsters Brian Cage looks like a monster Prince Nana is is Prince Nana he's always you know he dresses up in his regalia and whatnot and he just looks the part and then you have Swerve come out flanked by these dudes. What are we talking about? Now we've got something that makes Swerve look and feel important, right? As opposed to the two other goofs that he was with. This works. Anyway, great, uh, hang on, pump the brakes one. Good little TV match. I enjoyed it and lots of good action here. And again, Big Bill, Big Bill getting this this big ass rub coming into these matches you know and one of the final four at the 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 battle royal at uh, double or nothing and here again doesn't get pinned he never gets pinned there's a certain level of protection going around big bill here so i would just invite you all to keep your eyes on that especially since a lot of people seem to be warming up on him because he's actually doing stuff and I tweeted this, didn't tweet, excuse me. I posted it on Blue Sky and uh, and on the, because uh, I'm on Blue Sky, if you're already there, I'd love to chat with you there and in the Discord as well. I am so happy. I've always had a, a soft spot for Big Bill, Big Cass, W. Morrissey, whatever you want to call him. I've always had a soft spot for the guy because there's a lot of stuff that happened that was uh, him going through some struggles he seems to have his ducks in order and I think his work right now is phenomenal I think he's at he is truly at a peak level 
and I think he's appreciative of the opportunity that he has here and he has no intents on squandering it. You can tell. So what they're doing with Bill right now is outstanding and he's being protected. You know, he's in a tag team with Lee Moriarty and Lee came out, you know, accompanied him and just went, went backstage to let Bill handle his business. But again, you know, we're in these tag team situations. It's Lee who gets pinned, not Bill. There's, you know, not unlike Yuta. I'm just saying, I'm not saying there's absolutely, look, this is, I'm not, I'm not tracing a direct path to something here. But I, what I am telling you, because you're the A-plus audience listening to the D-list podcaster, keep an eye on what they're doing here with Big Bill. I don't think these are mistakes. We get a great little video package for Chris Statlander's return to AEW and winning the TBS title. Got a little choked up. Got a little, Again, Statlander is another one of these wrestlers that I just have a soft spot for. You know, there's wrestlers that I'm more cut and dry on, but you know, there, but there's some like Bill, like her, where I'm like, yeah, yeah. Renee Paquette uh, is at the top of the ramp. She interviews the acclaimed and Billy Gunn. Uh, this was a, you know, short, fine little feel-good promo. Get the acclaimed out for the audience to get the big, uh, the big reaction. Uh, you know, show them that their boys are still resilient. They haven't given up. And, uh, you know, it did exactly what it had to do. But, the, uh, you know, I guess, again, the thing that is noteworthy about this uh, is, that, uh, is that the acclaimed boys made a case for one more run with gold for the legend, Billy Gunn. So what does this entail? Are we going to have, are, does that mean that they're still going for the trios titles? Does this mean that they are going to work in a program, a singles program with Billy Gunn? I don't know. It's interesting to think. And it's also interesting when you consider that, you know, in regards to other legends that AEW employs, Sting, Jeff Jarrett, for instance. Well, although Jeff Jarrett did challenge for gold, but, you know, the idea of having this legend of the business go for one more run with gold hasn't been brought up, really. I, again, Jarrett is a maybe, it wasn't specifically brought, I don't recall it ever being brought up as such, but he's nonetheless challenged for gold. So maybe that example isn't as great, but Sting, who is, you know, no disrespect to Billy Gunn and his, what did they say, three decades in the business, which is remarkable and and, and the work he's put in and the, you know, the shit he went through. Um, no, absolutely no disrespect for him, but if we're comparing legend to legend. Sting, I'll, you know, I'll classism in every, in every uh, way possible. You know, we're talking about this thing is a legitimate legend, you know, a true to form Hall of Famer, uh, so on and so forth. Whereas Billy Gunn had a remarkable career, don't get me wrong. I think there is something, you know, it, it is of note. It is extremely notable. But it's interesting that they, you know, they're talking about Billy Gunn. This is what I'm pointing out. Mentioning Billy Gunn, calling him a legend. We're putting him on, a, uh, on the hunt for gold. Whereas Sting... That, that, that's not even, it's not even crossed anyone's lips. You know, no one's ever mentioned that. I, again, as far as I can recall, outside of 
speculation and us podcasters going crazy cuckoo. But look, fun little segment. Good interview. Let's move on. Tony Schiavone is in the ring to welcome, as he said, quote, the human piece of garbage, Don Callis, who comes out with Kenesuke Takeshita. And no surprise here, this fucking ruled. And I've got, look, Callis says, continues down his thing where he's the victim in all of this. He says he lost a nephew, but gained a son in Kineske Takeshita. And just the way the intent that he brought with it, the inflection, and like, what a fucking weasel this guy is. And he says Kineske Takeshita is better than Ricky Dozan, better than Antonio Inoki, better than Akira Medea, better than uh, 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 Kaiji Muto, better than Kazuchika Okada. And I'm like, look at this, look at this guy. And you're going to keep telling me that the AEW audience has no clue of what we're talking about. Let's pump the brakes here. Maeda, not Medea. What am I talking about? Akira Maeda. Moving on. We can break this down. We can break the, and then, oh, of course, then Takeshita cuts a promo in Japanese and finishing up in English saying that he's, going, he's coming after Kenny Omega very clearly. We can break this promo down every which way, you know, because of how wonderful and intense and fantastic it was. But this is what this is Warren Hayes' analysis. I could spend I could probably spend 15 minutes talking about this, and who knows, maybe I will. But this was basic, simple pro wrestling storytelling told by people who are talented, booked by a guy who understands how this works. And you got this absolutely phenomenal all-timer of a segment where you did not need to pump in heat. That crowd wanted to kill Don Callis. Ah! I might be exaggerating. You know what I mean. They were out for blood. They wanted this guy to leave. I heard and saw reports from all sorts of people at the arena saying we couldn't hear a single word these guys were saying. Couldn't say a, couldn't hear a single thing. And Callis acknowledged it. And you could tell he was trying to talk louder to get over the PA system. It wasn't working. This is exactly what you want in this feud. You want the absolute disgusting human in Don Callis coming out to a vilified reaction and transferring this heat to this one guy who we want to get over. This is so basic and so well done is the thing. And we don't need tons of vignettes and people doing shit backstage and pumping in heat. I beg anyone who watches World Wrestling Entertainment to watch this and then come back to tell me, yeah, Dominic gets heat. This is heat. This is nuclear heat. 
This is the heat that actually forces you to interrupt your promo, to speak louder because the audience is overcoming you. This is the type of promo you feel in your bones. And you're like, this is it. This is exactly what this, this is already the hottest feud in AEW. Just out of the gate right here. This is the hottest feud they have. And people are still going to try to convince me that Dominic's planned spots where he stops talking to let people get the, get the cheers louder, you know, they're going to keep telling me that Dominic gets all of this because he's a great heat magnet. No, this it's contrived. It's produced. This is natural. And the next time you see Dominic getting, quote unquote, all that great heat, I want you to look at the audience and compare it to this audience here. This audience everywhere, people were up out of their seats. They were pointing at couch. They were shouting. There was, you saw movement, not just people sitting down which is what you see when Dominic is getting, quote unquote, all this great heat by Jesus, man. This is fantastic. This is what it is. This is why I love pro wrestling. It's for stuff like this. And we should be able to get this more. And it's a shame that the other place doesn't let this stuff kind of happen. No, everything is so minute and overly produced that you have to artificially create your heat. This was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I am excited to see how this goes forward. This is going to do wonders for Takeshita. What are we even talking about? We got a video package with Wardlow and Arn Anderson and they were talking up the thumb spot of all fucking things. They could have been talking about in this promo. Christian Cage, what? Or the next opponent, who's next? They talk about the fucking thumb spot. Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy teamed up again to defeat the Gates of Agony. This match was bananas. <laughs> this match was bananas and a discovery moment for a lot of fans in regards to the uh, Gates of Agony. You know, in the Discord anyway, were a lot of people going like, hey, these guys are really good actually. Yeah, actually they are really good. Um, and just a fantastic team. Swerve came out again tonight. Double Swerve. Comes out to watch from the top of the ramp and he's got Nana and Brian Cage with him. And the Gates of Agony right now, and I know the Ring of Honor, but in the tag division right now in All Elite Wrestling, if you want, look, if as much as I would love there to not have that much crossover, this is where we are right now. So bear with me here. For the sake of the argument, if we are continuing to have Ring of Honor tag team crossover with AEW's tag division, these guys fill a spot that is extremely missing in the tag division right now in AEW. Just a, a, a couple of savages, brutes, like these high octane, explosive maniacs. Right? We talked about in the Discord, we were talking about the Faces of Fear as an example. Like, I don't think the Faces of Fear were this athletic. You know, Warlord was never as good as, uh, was never as good as Toa Leona or, or Bishop Khan. Khan is, Khan is actually a little better. If, you know, if we're pulling, if, you know, if we're, if we're splitting hairs here, Khan is a little better. But the 
point be the point the point still stands is that um two guys yeah, a tag team that comes in and destroys the opposition not picks them apart not ha does high flying great moves not a not a team that's a throwback to pro wrestling uh, pro wrestling's uh, uh silver age no 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 none of that we having people Two guys who just come in and destroy people with agility, speed, and strength. This match ruled. And of course, you pair him up with Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen, who are just, who are capable of taking a beating, especially Darby. Christ, these baby faces got destroyed. And continues to add into the amount of damage Orange Cassidy is taking. Everything connects here. Stun Dog Millionaire by Darby. Uh, by. Orange Cassidy, a code red by Darby, a dive by Orange Cassidy to the floor to keep the other Gates of the Agony guy. I don't remember which one was which at this point. Um, but he dives to the outside to keep the other guy from coming in to interrupt the pin when Darby Allen pulls off the coffin drop. Uh, was a nice finish. I still think Darby Allen will be the guy who will come out looking best from the four-way stuff. I continue to maintain that all three of the other pillars uh, were exposed and do not look better coming out of that feud. But I think Darby, if you, if you, I still think Darby Allen is the guy who came out looking the best because of his work. I think despite the content of his promos being open for debate, how about that? I think he, he was the guy who was the most comfortable on the stick. And I really see him, you remember when people thought Jeff Hardy would never be a world champion? Well, there you go. You know, I, I think there's, I know that maybe the, um, you know, maybe the, 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 the comparing Darby Allen to, to, to Jeff Hardy is a little, uh, a little too much on the nose, you know, maybe a little tired at the same time, maybe not the most original take, uh, but I think you can still draw a, par a parallel here in that regard because the parallels are already very similar they're already very close so i think i think a a world championship run for darby allen is not uh not out of the question after the match swerve and the rest of the embassy come down to sort of get threatening swerve setting up a match against uh orange cassidy for next week for the international title which i'm very excited about but Sting comes out and he runs everyone off because he's Sting, motherfucker. Big reaction from the crowd. See, again, stuff happening. We're resetting things. We're bringing out people that, we're bringing out folks that people want to cheer for that get pops. We're still not out of pops. There's still some to deliver. We're, we're, we're washing away the past couple of months. There's an MJF pre-tape that was done uh, clearly after winning back the title, at, uh, retaining the title, I should say, at Double or Nothing. Uh, and he still says that there's no competition left in AEW. No one is on his level. Now, I know a lot of people were, uh, are expecting for some reason, and I don't know where this is coming from, an Adam Cole-MJF feud. And if I were a betting man, which I am not, I would say MJF will probably get a little... Burner program in the lead up to all in, all out, slot, you know, whatever. He'll probably get a little program. Um, 
You know, people actually in the Discord, we were talking about it. Well, look, they talked about, you know, Billy Gunn getting a, a one last singles run. You could do worse than putting MJF in a, and I'm not, not a pay-per-view cycle thing, just a little burner program, a little war, just something to keep the bodies fresh. A little something that would continue to, that would continue to, 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 to drive home the fact that MJF is a goddamn heel. Because Billy Gunn is beloved right now. Everyone loves Billy Gunn. So what if he does get in the, this would be instant heat. Nice little program leading into something bigger. What would be that bigger thing? Not Adam Cole, CM Punk. And I will continue to push that. If I were a betting man, I'm not. But if I were a betting man, that's what I'd put my money on for All Out. MJ, like the story tells itself, CM Punk and MJF and all of that. It didn't happen last year at All Out. Uh, and, and CM Punk still owes MJF the loss because that's what was planned for full gear before Mindy's Muffins took over the brain of Phil Brooks. That's what was planned. CM Punk to put MJF over, lose the AEW World Championship and put MJF over. He still owes him that. And I think that's what you do this year. You do that out the gate as soon as possible before CM Punk throws it all to hell again. Because again, it's not a question of if he'll burn everything down. It's a question of when. You have the match. Do it. <clears throat> Tony Schiavone is back in the ring. Keeping fit, running up and down the ramp. He wants to interview someone, but we don't know. He gets sort of you know, he gets sort of uh, uh, cut off by Hook, you know. So who who? This, I mean, this is you know, it's just stupid nitpicky, but you know, fun stuff to think about nonetheless. Who was Tony Schiavone supposed to interview, right? Who was he supposed to interview? And therefore, who did Hook? take TV time away from. <laughs> you got it, right? Because the way Tony acted was like, oh, it was a surprise. The way commentary acted, oh, it was a surprise. It wasn't planned. So, anyway, Hook is in the ring. Before Hook can answer Tony's question, La Faccion Ingobernable came out. Roosh, nowhere to be found. Uh, and uh, Jolistico and Preston Vance uh, attack Hook in the ring, but Jungle Boy's music hits, and he comes out for the save. Jungle Book, Jungle Hook. I like the Jungle Book, don't get me wrong. Rudyard Kipling, fantastic little period uh, era novel that's still, it's not, there's a couple of things in, in the storybook that, uh, you know, doesn't quite uh, mesh with today's values anymore, but uh, still nonetheless, a classic. So Jungle Hook are back together, which I can only applaud because I thought it sucked. Well, well look, we say they're back together. They're, they're, we're leading into a match here, right, between, that you know, Preston Vance and Dereistico against Jungle Hook, and that'll be great because I, th I still think this was great. Now, a lot of people feel like Hook might turn on Jungle Boy, which I think would also be interesting. But I think, see, 
I think this is interesting that Jungle Hook is back to this. Jungle Boy, excuse me, Jack Perry, I'll get it right. Jack Perry is back to this, something that they poo-pooed away when it was time to give him a push. And now, well, we'll circle him back to this very mid-card affair. Again, nothing wrong with it, but for a guy that you were saying, hey, he's going to be the next big thing, well, you're sort of dragging him down a little bit. Darby Allen, in comparison, was paired up with Orange Cassidy, which is one of the hottest elements of uh, on AEW so f currently, right now. So it doesn't feel like a demotion, right? And he's he's getting rid of a couple of you know mid card jabrones in, in in the gates of agony, and it's fine. Sammy nowhere to be found. I mean, at the same time. Like, He's got to go to Ikea and buy, you know, baby things. He's got to get the nursery set up. I, yeah, I understand. You're busy. <laughs> I understand. But does it feel like a demotion for Jungle Boy? Let's revisit this in a few weeks when we see what the pattern is here. Because look, I still think Jungle Boy and Hook together in a pure uh, Rock and Roll Express setup you know, where Hook is Robert Gibson and Jack Perry is, uh, is, is um, <laughs> Ricky Morton for some reason. Couldn't think of Ricky Morton for a second. Uh, I think it is, a, it is a winning combination. Plus, handsome young fellows gets over with the ladies. Like, there's nothing wrong with this tag team outside of the fact that it might come across as a demotion. But let... Let's see how this goes and then we'll deep, we'll dig deeper into this analysis. Renee is backstage with the outcast. Tony Storm cuts a very good promo. Confident. She's in it. She's the champ. She says no one in the back there, no one in that locker room is good enough to carry your bags. Ruby So says nobody can, nobody can carry your bags nor touch your work ethic, Tony. And Tony says she's going to defend the title like like a fighting champion and she's going to start at the house rules show this weekend and Soraya wonders if anybody is good enough look at look at this promoting the house shows on your main show making them feel significant hey the newly minted newly crowned AEW women's world champ world women's champion is here is going to be at the house show this weekend they're hyping it up as if they want, you know, to sell tickets. How about that? How wild is that, kids? Chris Statlander had her return match, her like her real return. Like I know, I know the I, I know the return match isn't exactly the, the return match was the match that she had against uh, against uh, um, Jade. Jeez. Uh, so I know like this is officially not like officially it's not her return match but this was her return match <laughs> okay okay and uh, uh, I thought this was good I thought this this delivered um, I, I like there's very little notes for me here very very little notes I think this was a strong look nice lengthy match Strong return for Statlander, who doesn't look hampered or injured, and and good solid pro wrestling. We didn't see tons of nonsense. It was just good solid 
pro wrestling where both women work to their strengths. Statlander looked like gold here. She looked like a champion. She felt like it. And, and, and she's beloved by the fans. You can see this. Hopefully she's still hanging around the best friends because I think that's also a good thing. I like all of this. I, I like how they've handled the return of Chris Statlander here so far. Um, Taya Valkyrie was backstage watching, you know, sort of pissed off at the camera. So a heel turn for Taya. Good. Let's do it. Um, we'll see what kind of program this evolves into. Let's talk about this as it keeps moving forward. We'll see what happens. But I do, this is my note. This is my note here. There is no observable reason to not have Nyla Rose on television every week in some capacity. There is no, every week, at the very least regularly, no observable reason. Nyla, we saw it in this match. She she is polished now. For all the issues that you know a lot of us had with Nyla out the gate, she's worked hard to prove us all wrong, and she's fantastic now. I'm ex like you know, she she's confident and crisp. Her moves don't come off as sloppy anymore. And she's she gets into the ring, has a good match with Statlander, and Tony puts on television, on occasion, women who are, he feels, you know, deserve these spots a little more. Like, he pushes other women than, than Rose, who are not even close to being the complete project that Nyla Rose is. And then when you add on top of that, her personality, which we saw being able to... to to, to transfer off of her Twitter account onto television when she had that brief, brief feud with, with Jade last year. There is, she, ha, she has everything. She has everything that you could possibly want out of something, someone, uh, anything to elevate your women's division. Just absolute phenomenal stuff. She's super solid in the ring. I was both hot and cold on her being on television, but being Statlander's first opponent. Because a feud with Statlander would have actually been really good. I think, for my money, probably a better choice than Taya. I can understand that Tony wants to lean into Taya, new hire, so on and so forth. I, that's fine. But Nyla, Nyla. I don't know how long. Look, maybe she's going to be part of the collision move. You know, and I was on, uh, I was on uh, the uh, Kristen Ashley's Pro Wrestling Illustrated podcast. Get the W. I was there with uh, Kylie Fuller, and we were talking about a fun little podcast, which you should uh, check out. It was a fun time, actually. I don't want to diminish what it is. It's not more than a fun little podcast. It was very good. We talked a lot about the, you know, the the the, the women's division, the state of the women's division in AEW specifically, and we went through a bunch of topics. And uh, very good stuff, you know, and it's not just a, like a, a thing where we stamp our feet and it's like, everything sucks. No, no, we're bringing out the good stuff and we're focusing on things. And one thing we all agreed on when we were talking about Nyla Rose is that she, it is a mystery as to why she's not focused on more. And if the collision show means more opportunities for more women, if Nyla Rose is not part of these people who are benefiting from more, from two extra hours a week 
on prime time on a, you know, uh, if she's not part of that, it's a failure. It's a, it's a, it's a failure to not recognize the absolute potential that she has and what she can bring to the table. She's outstanding and I don't know why we're not doing more with her. And then this led us to the mixed tag team match in the main event where Adam Cole and Britt Baker defeated Chris Jericho and Soraya. Fun, little match. Kept the crowd invested. There was a lot of heat for it. Um, I don't have many notes. I enjoyed it. I thought, look, I thought everyone... I thought everyone worked stiff here. A little stiffer anyway. I think, I think a couple of guys in this match sort of heard the comments about the featherlight offense uh, that a lot of us were putting out there. I wasn't alone. I, I probably took it to heart. So, you know, they wailed on each other a little more. Uh, I thought even Brit was working a little snugger than usual. Uh, this was good. I thought the, the, the intergender, the, what do you want to call them? Because it's not, well, you know, it's not an intergender match, but we did have intergender spots, right? I thought they were fun. Double super kicks and all of that. And, you know, I thought all of this was very good. Chris Jericho loses again. Chris Jericho loses again. I, I, I seriously cannot keep hearing people talking about how Jericho buries everyone. He loses all the fucking time. He lost a double or nothing and he lost again here. And this was probably the more meaningful of the match because this match had heat. This match felt energetic. There was stuff happening in this one. This was a good match. It was a fun little match. Clearly designed to get some heat back on Adam Cole. Like, don't even kid yourselves. This is what this match was for. You know, I am not on the, you know, there's a, there's more and more people climbing aboard this brand new bandwagon, which is like, which is, uh, which is called Adam Cole is washed. We're, <laughs> we're, the, you know, there's still a lot of room on the bandwagon. I think there's some early adopters hopping on board right now. I'm, I'm not on it and I don't intend to get on it. Not until I see a little more of what Adam Cole has to, has to deliver. Was this his tightest, greatest performance? No, you know, I still, you know, there's still, there are some legitimate questions to be asked. But we'll see how things keep moving forward here. Because don't, look, Tony sees a star in this guy. He sees someone that he can lean into. He sees a face. I can't disagree with that. I really can't. We'll see how things develop. But I am not throwing the towel in on, uh, throwing the towel on uh, uh, Adam Cole in any stretch of the imagination. And I think if you're wise, you'd pump the brakes on that as well. Great dynamite. A great dynamite. Resetting this whole previous pay-per-view cycle, except for the really good stuff. And some stuff that was happening, like the really good stuff, right? Like the elite, the BCC, we're continuing that. There's still, there's still more, there's still more meat on that bone. There's still more juice to squeeze out of that fruit. But continuing with things and maybe giving it an extra kick, another, you know, uh, you know, hitting the defibrillator on it, like Ricky Starks and uh, and Jay White. 
Let's see. Let's see how where this is going to carry us. Are we done with Adam Cole and Chris Jericho? I don't know. I personally, I don't mind if we revisit this if this continues for for a while. It really doesn't bother me because I don't believe in the Jericho vortex. I don't. I think it's it's people being unable to parse their feelings between what is working in this promotion versus their own personal feelings about Chris Jericho. And again, I can't I'm can't blame anyone for feeling the way they feel about Jericho. That's fine. But at some point, you do have to recognize that how he's being used and what is happening in the company has been overall beneficial. And I'm, that's just analysis. That's just being, that's not, that, that's not being a bozo. <laughs> um, so breathing some new life into things that were, that were happening in the previous cycle. But this felt like a reset. This, feel, this felt like, okay, we're starting over. We're giving you something new, something more to chew on. Coming out with a, a great dynamite, which I enjoyed. Again, like I said, stuff happening, new stuff, old stuff, continuing and feeling energetic, good, fresh, great matches. Everything I love about a dynamite was here. And then, if that wasn't enough, we announce a, 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 a rampage edition this Friday with Zack Sabre Jr. versus Action Andretti for the for the, 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 the TV championship, the New Japan TV championship. We're getting the Realistico Commander and El Hijo del Vikingo. Again, we're getting Willow Nightingale and Emi Sakura, who'll be, she'll be defending the New Japan Strong Women's Championship for the first time against Emi Sakura. What are we doing? And then Lee Moriarty versus Katsuyori Shibata. We should bully. Tony Khan every week. I'm excited. I'm into it. No one bounces back like AEW does. I'm going to wrap this up. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed today's review. I will be back, of course, next Thursday for another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. So be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave a like on the video as well if you haven't already, and subscribe on your favorite podcast audio formats as well. I'll be around. In the meantime, I hope you all have a lovely, lovely rest of your week, and I'll see you next time.